Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, we come before you this day, O Lord God, to partake of your word, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. We ask in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, that we become more aware of your presence around us today, O Lord God. Let us really, really grow to know you and to understand you, O Lord God. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I magnify thy most glorious name. And I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O Lord. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Praise God again. Welcome to Genesis 1. I'm glad you could join us here today. Did you realize that there's a, uh, an increasing hunger and need for God uh, in our lives today? You know, it's growing more and more. Even those that don't yet know God are searching for something, you know? You know, even those that don't know God are searching for something, something to fill that void that is in our lives. They try to fill it with drugs, booze, multiple women or men or whatever other distractions may be out there. We all have this need that is in us because we, we, we were built that way. We were designed that way to, to, to have a yearning for, for God. Okay, But many times we try to replace that with other things in our lives. For us Christians, this hunger for God is more of a hunger for an experience with God. Okay, for an experience with God, the more a person knows of God, the more the person desires to know him. Okay, the more someone knows of God, the more they desire to know him. While God is omnipresent, he can be everywhere at every time, at all times, at any one time, at all times. His presence is always with us. We have the desire to experience him in some way. When we talk about experiencing the presence of the Lord, we are talking about realizing God's presence of perceiving his presence and being conscious or aware of him. When we talk about experiencing the presence of God, we are really talking about realizing and abiding in God's presence. So when we say that we want to experience God's presence, it is a matter of increasing our awareness of his presence. It's not a matter of God needing to increase his presence around us, it's a matter of us increasing our awareness of his presence. Let me repeat that, okay? It's not a matter of God needing to increase his presence because he is omnipresent, okay? He's, he's, he's around you. He's around you. So it's not a need of God. It's not a matter of God needing to increase his presence, but it's a matter of us increasing our awareness of his presence. Amen? We may have been Christians for many years, but have we ever really longed? Have we ever really, really longed? for the direct knowledge and experience of God, okay? If you're a child of God, I'm sure that's, that's lurking around somewhere in your conscience, in your spirit, that you really, really want to know God. We all, we all ask for personal blessings, but how many of us, how much do we understand about our desire for God himself, okay? We ask for blessings all of the time, but do we ever stop and think about Jesus? Well, how much do I really want to know God? How much do I desire the presence of God? If we go to Exodus uh, 33, 12, Exodus 33, 12, okay, starting with verse number 12, we see here talking about the presence of God. And Moses said unto the Lord, see, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. And thou hast not let me know whom will thou send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, 
and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may know thee, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence, the Lord, and he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Okay? God said his presence will go with him, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not hence. In other words, Moses saying, if your presence is not, is not going to be with me, then I don't want to go. Okay? Please don't even carry us up there if your presence is not going to be with us. Okay? Verse 16 says, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people that I and, and uh, that I and thy people uh, have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And uh, know thee by name. Verse 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Moses is saying, show me thy glory. Show me thy presence. Show me, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face, God says. Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. But my face shall not be seen. Okay? So here we see Moses is asking for, I want to see your glory. In other words, I really want to bask, I really want to know and come to understand what your presence is like. That's basically what he's saying. All right? okay. So, so, so thinking then of how Moses wanted, wanted and desired uh, God's presence, he wanted his glory around him. What about us? What about us during our worship services? What about us during worship? We all want to experience God's presence when we worship. I know if you go to church, when I go to church, I mean, anyone, any Christian anyway, I would think wants to experience or wants to feel and know that God is there. Okay. And if you've been in a good worship service, I mean, you can feel his presence. Okay. So, so, so what about during worship? Do we really, really usher in God's presence during our worship service? I know you've heard that many times probably. Okay. Let's all just raise our hands and praise God and let's worship in God's presence. Do we really do that? Well, I want to explain something to you. We don't actually bring in God's presence by our music, by our worship, or by our prayers. Bringing in, quote-unquote, bringing in suggests that we take the primary action in the worship service. Bringing in, quote-unquote, God's presence suggests that our actions, our actions, our actions determine whether or not the the omnipresent God is there. The truth is God is already present because he's omnipresent. The truth is God is already present in our worship services. God is the primary participant in our worship services. Our role is to respond to him. Okay, Our role is to respond to him. We open our hearts to perceive him, to welcome him, 
and to request that his presence be ever more manifest amongst us, okay? That's what we really should be doing, recognizing the fact that God is there with us and that we want to experience him more, okay? And, and we ask him, basically, request that his presence be more manifest among us because God is there. If we go to 2, two Chronicles 5, Two Chronicles five, and we're going to start with verse number one. Okay, now th- this is this is an example of a real church service here. Okay, I mean I love this particular scripture, scripture here. Okay, this is Solomon and the dedication of the temple. Okay, now let's just read through and listen to what's being said. Two Chronicles five, uh, verse number one. If you don't have your Bible, please run and get it. Piece of paper, pencil, marker, or something, and take some notes in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David, his father, had dedicated, and the silver and the gold and all the instruments, but he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. And they brought up the ark in the tabernacle of the congregation. And all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, did these did the priests and the Levites bring up. Also, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark, sacrificed sheep and oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves of the ark, that the ends of the staves were seen from the ark before the oracle but they were not seen without, and there it is unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put there in, in, at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were, with, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. Can you imagine this worship service, what, what this must, must have looked like? I just want you to just follow what, what's happening here, okay? Verse 13, And it came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, on one accord, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, praised the Lord, praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then, that then the house was filled with a cloud. Underline that, please. That then the house was filled with a cloud even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. 
for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Okay. The glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Okay. So we see here that when they were praising and when they were, were singing their music and playing their music, the glory of the Lord filled the place. Okay. It's not that God wasn't already there. But them being on one accord and praising God, God decided to manifest himself, to manifest himself even more so that the people there could experience him. The glory of the Lord filled the place, verse 14, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Okay? In modern day terms, there was such an anointing in that place that the priests could barely stand up to minister, to talk. Okay. okay. So not that God wasn't already, God is omnipresent. That means that he's always there, but God manifested himself even more. Okay. So when we are in our church services, God just doesn't show up in this sense. He reveals himself and we perceive him as we are open and desiring a revelation of him. As for us today, as for us today, just as in Old Testament times, God wants to reveal himself to us. And for us to be in his presence, God's presence is meant to be a regular part of our lives. It should always be there, not just on Sunday during during church service. God's presence is meant to be a regular part of our lives. Just as we experience the nearness of those in our lives every day, God wants us to experience his nearness as well. You experience the nearness of your wife, of your husband, of your children, or a loved one, or, or whomever is, is around you on a daily basis. Okay, you experience the, their nearness. God wants us to experience his nearness in the same manner. So my hope today, saints, my hope today is that the presence of God is, is demystified a bit. That isn't such a puzzling mystery to so many people that it is to so many people. I want to demystify it based on the word of God, not my words, but based on the word of God. My hope is also today that the presence of God becomes a regular part of your everyday life, not just in church, but a regular part of everyday life. God's presence is meant to be at the core of all that we do, and his presence is indeed everywhere. We go to Psalm 139, verse number 7. Psalm 139, verse number 7. And it says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Underline that word presence. Again, whither or where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee? from your presence. If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. So showing us there that God's presence is everywhere. There's nowhere that you could go that he won't and can't be with you. Nowhere. The time that you think that you're all alone, you've got this thing that's just troubling you so much, or maybe you're, you're going into a meeting that you dread going into, or you're going into a class in school that you really dread going into because the subject matter is maybe challenging, or there's an exam that's coming up that you haven't studied that much for. And God is going with you. You're not alone. Okay? If you're in a troublesome predicament, 
Okay. God is there with you. You are not alone. There's no place that you can go where God is not, where God is not. It's as simple as that, according to the word of God. There's no situation, there's no conversation, there's no job, school, or place in which you can't meet with God. You can meet with him no matter where you are. So how do we encounter the presence of God? How do we experience God's nearness? It's not that difficult, saints of God. It's not that difficult. Encountering God is similar to encountering another person, to encountering another human being. We don't seek an experience with a friend. We simply seek to know him or her by spending time with them. And as a result, we gain an experience with them. Okay. If there's someone that you, you want to know and you don't know very well, maybe it's an estranged family member you haven't seen in a long time, you know, and it's not a matter of you just the seeking them or seeking to experience them, but you seek them by spending time with them. So you spend the time with that person, and then over time you get to know them, you get to experience them because you're spending time with them. Well, it's, it's very much the same thing with God. We don't seek to hear the voice of a friend. We simply engage in conversation with the friend as an act of wanting to know them. And as a result, you hear their voice. I'm sure you've met someone at work or in school or in the neighborhood for the first time or whatever. And maybe you're just out shopping and you happen to bump into someone or, or meet someone that, and somehow the two of you kind of click, you know, you sink. And, and then maybe you start, you know, going for coffee together or whatever. And then what kind of conversation inevitably comes up? You know, so what do you do? You know, where do you live? How long have you lived here? You have family. Do you have children? You know, and the more you talk to the person, the more you begin to know them and the more they begin to know you. So you are experiencing them by engaging in conversation with them. Okay. It's not something that you sit down and plan out to do. I mean, you don't do a whole lot of thought preparation for it. I mean, maybe you put it in your calendar, in your schedule, oh, meet with so-and-so, meet, meet with so-and-so for coffee. And, you know, but that's about the extent of it. I mean, you don't sit down and have a long, thoughtful process about how you're going to seek to engage with this person. You simply meet with them and you enjoy each other's presence, enjoy each other's company. And by talking to them and hearing their voice, that's how you begin to know them. The only thing about seeking God that makes a difference different is that he's a spirit rather than flesh. Okay. You sit down at coffee with a human being and you're talking and so forth like that. And you're laughing and you're chit chatting away. And that's how you do it with a human. It's no difference with God, except that God is not going to be sitting. You won't see God sitting in that booth in front of you in the coffee shop there. God is spirit. We go to John 4. John 4, verse 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said, and this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well, okay? Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers, when the true worshipers, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. When true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. 
God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay. So he's saying here that God is spirit. God is spirit. Okay. And we have to worship him in spirit and in, and in truth. To say that must worship God in spirit means that in it must originate from within, from the heart. The worshiping God, you know, we just can't go to church and you simply stand there and you, you throw your hands up as a matter of, of habit, you know, and you're singing songs and you're praising God and you're worshiping, you know, but in the meantime, your mind is, is, on, is on the ham that's in the oven that's cooking, you know, and you're worrying that it's not going to get burned before you get home from church or you're thinking about the job or your mind is wandering when you're in church there and you're worshiping God. No, worshiping God in spirit means from your heart. From deep within. This is when you are crying out to God or you're talking to God and you're saying, Lord, I just want to connect with you. I want to touch you. I want to hear you. I want to experience you, Lord God. This is my case. This is what's going on, whatever. And if there's nothing troubling you, then you're just, you're adoring him. I thank you, Lord God. I praise you. I praise you for who you are. I praise you, Lord, for loving me so much. I praise you, Lord, for giving your only begotten son, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for giving him so that I could have eternal life. Oh, Lord God, I praise you. And this is what you really, this is your heartfelt praise of him. Okay. You, you know, you, you can stop and think back to someone who really, really did something wonderful for you. Maybe it was a relative and your mother, father, husband, and wife. Really, really wonderful to you. And boy, when you saw that person, you were so glad to see them. You, you may have hugged them, you know, and said, oh, boy, I thank you so much from the bottom. You are such a lifesaver. Oh, boy, you really came through. And you know how you feel about that person for this wonderful thing that they did? Well, this is how we need to feel about God. This is worshiping God, okay, in spirit. Worshiping him from the depths of your spirit, from the depths of your soul, okay? That's worshiping him from your spirit. It must be sincere, motivated by our love for God and gratitude for all that he is and all that he has done in your life. Worship cannot be mechanical or formalistic. This worship, however, must also be in truth. The scripture said must worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, this is easier for us to understand because it, it obviously means that our worship must conform to the revelation of God in scripture. Okay. We can't be worshiping God based on something that his scripture doesn't say. <laughs> okay. You can't be there praising and worshiping God on something that is not outlined or described or, or stated in his word. Okay. It says in spirit, heartfelt worship, and in truth, based on the word of God. We can't worship while in religious error, okay? while in religious error, or why, while we are manipulating scripture to fit the 21st century. Okay. That's not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Okay, if you're worshiping and you're, and you're basing it on some thoughts that that the uh, that the, the that people have put together, and, and all of a sudden now they're saying this is truth and this is reality, and they're taking God's God's word and turning it into a lie and so forth. No, that's not worshiping in spirit and in truth. Okay, you may be worshiping in in, in spirit, heartfelt, but if you're worshiping and you're thinking something that is outside of what the Word of God says, then that's not worshiping God in, in spirit and in truth. Okay. So we got to make sure that we know what the word of God says, for first of all, and that we're worshiping in line with that word. Okay, that's very, very important. Jesus said, verse 24, God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Our worship must be rooted in and tethered to, rooted in and tethered to, tied to the realities of biblical truth and biblical revelation. God is spirit. Scripture is clear that God is everywhere and that Holy Spirit dwells within us. His presence is already with you. God is already with you. 
encountering him is as simple as taking some time to become aware of his nearness. Taking some time to become aware of his nearness. Take time to, to simply seek God. Meditate on his word. Allow scripture to fill your heart with faith. Allow scripture to fill your heart with faith. Allow scripture to fill your heart with faith. Now that can't happen if you're not reading scripture, obviously. You have to know what the word of God is saying. Make space and, and, and time to rest in God's presence. Make, make time and, and, and make a set aside of space so that you can worship him and be in God's presence so that your heart might come alive at the revelation of his nearness. You set aside some time to worship God and you're saying, boy, I just want to bask in your presence. You'll feel his presence. You'll feel it. You'll know that he is there. And it's such a wonderful, wondrous, joyful feeling. It's a, such a feeling of relaxation to know that God the Father is there with you. He's got his arms around you. He's pulling you to his bosom and he's saying, don't worry, I will take it. I will take it. I will take you. I will take you. Meditate on some scriptures about God's presence. Meditate. We go to Psalm 1611. Psalm 16, verse 11. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence. In thy what? In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I mean, I don't have to really explain that. Thou wilt show me the path of life. God will show you the path for your life. You got things where you're wondering where you're heading. Gee whiz, what's it all about? Lord, gee, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm just kind of drifting sometimes, Lord. God can show you, show you that path. He will guide you if you simply trust him and you want to be in his presence and you want to talk with him. You want to experience him. In thy presence is fullness of joy. So when you're in God's presence, I mean, as I said a moment ago, you will feel a joy and a relief. You'll just simply know that everything is okay. You'll simply know that everything is all right fullness of joy at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore amen amen so this is where you want to be you want to be basking in god's presence you want to be basking you want to know and you want to experience him we need to allow scriptures to fill you with with faith to encounter god focus your understanding of encountering god around simply seeking to know him No magic formula. It's not complicated at all. Simply seek to know him. And God will indeed reveal himself because he's there. He's there. Seek to know him. You you, you ever have someone kind of, you know, you're in a room or maybe you're in in the house uh, by yourself and someone comes in and you don't hear the door open and close and and that family member or whatever just comes up to the doorway of your room and and just kind of standing there. I know my kids used to do this a lot when they were little. And they did just kind of stand there. And they were there, you know, and they, they, they're playing a trick or whatever. They wanted to see how long they can get away with me not noticing them. You know, and then I would all of a sudden I kind of feel something. I turn around and I look and there, there they are and they start laughing and so on. You know, and I'm not saying that God is there to play a trick on you. But God is there. God is there. You simply have to become aware of the fact that he is there. And that you want to experience and, and know his presence. Okay? And once you do that, once you do that, you'll feel this joy that God is talking about, this fullness of joy, where, where, where pleasures reside. Allow scriptures to fill you with faith to encounter God. Again, 
focus your understanding of encountering God around simply seeking to know him. Simple as that. You let God know that you want to know him and God is more than willing to oblige you by revealing himself to you more and more and more. Okay. We go to Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17. And it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I like the amplified, amplified version of that. And it says there, um, it says, so faith comes by hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. Okay. So faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to build our faith and know that God is there. Read those scriptures that say that God is there and that he wants to reveal his presence to you. And you will indeed begin to experience his presence. You know, you, Hebrews eleven six. we go to Hebrews eleven six. These are some old familiar scriptures. We've been here many times before. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Right. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God if you don't have faith and know that for he that comes to God must believe that he is. So first of all, you've got to believe that God indeed is before you can realize that you want to experience his presence. <laughs> you can't want to and, and experience God's presence if you don't believe that he is and that he is indeed who he says he is. Okay. And if you don't have faith in him, then it's impossible to please God according to the word of God here. So you have to have faith, first of all, that he is God and know that he is God. And then we can start wanting to and desiring to experience his presence. If you don't believe in him, he certainly is not going to manifest. You're not going to feel his manifestation because you don't believe that he exists. So how can you? Okay. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So diligently seeking him, again, is not just a casual thing of seeking him. This is you diligently wanting to know him and to seek him. I always use the example of something that you want, want to get a, a gadget, ladies, a pair of shoes, a dress or something, that anything that anyone has ever really, really diligently wanted or badly wanted, you diligently did the research on it. You went online, you bought books on the subject, you read up on it, you talked to other people about it, whatever it may be. You know, you're thinking about a new car. What do we do about a new car? We talk to anyone that has had that model car and you go online, dealerships and various places like that. And you find out all that you can about that particular car. That is you diligently seeking information about that car. If you are diligently seeking God, that means that we're, quote unquote, reading up on him, so to speak. And we do that by reading his word. We do that by studying his word by talking to him, by crying out to him, by calling out to him, by casting all your cares and all your burdens upon him. This is diligently seeking God. Lord, I need you. I have this going on. I have this going on. This is coming up. That's coming up. Or this is upon me right now. Lord, I need your insights. I need your help. I need your direction. This is you diligently seeking God. You ask and indeed God will be there for you. He will indeed show up. He is one that if you ask, he will not ignore you. 
If you ask, he will not ignore you. We don't receive many things because we don't ask. And what does the scripture say? Many times we ask amiss. In other words, we ask in the wrong way. But if you ask God and talk to him, he will reveal himself and he indeed will answer you. We need to make that space to rest in God's presence. Ask him to show you how to abide in him. He desires to make himself known to you all throughout your day. So they ask him, Lord, how, how do I abide? And remember I said the word abide means to live in, okay, to live in. If I go to visit my mom-in-law, you know, I don't, I don't just, you know, I don't take a whole suitcase and I mean, a large suitcase and my, my, my wardrobe, you know, and all of that. I take, you know, a toothbrush, a small travel bag and so maybe some PJs or, or whatever, and, you know, and, and that's visiting. But, but, but abiding, abiding with my mother-in-law is me bringing my whole wardrobe, you know, my, 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 my TVs, you know, everything that I own in my house, that's me moving in and that's living, that's abiding. Okay. So abiding in the Lord means to live in him, to live in his presence at all times. To have him around you throughout the day because he is indeed around you. But for you to, to know that he's there, for you to experience his, his presence. He wants to be involved in everything that we do, everything that you're doing. Nothing is too mundane or too boring for God. His desire is to be with you. Nothing is too little. Nothing is too boring. We go to James 4. James 4, verse number 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's one thing, too. I mean, that's a subject all unto itself. You know I mean, I could do a whole sermon on that alone. But basically, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Evil comes across your path, and temptation comes, comes across your way. Resist it. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. That's all. Don't give in to that evil or that temptation that comes your way. That temptation to worry, too, you know, that temptation to worry, that, that, that's evil to make you something, to make you start getting bogged down and fearful and worrying and everything. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Resist it. Resist it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God or draw near. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Okay, underline verse number eight. Draw near to God and he will indeed draw near to you. Simple as that. We just simply have to know that uh, uh, God wants us to draw near to him and believe that. Okay? And, and again, don't think that anything in your life is just so mundane and so, and so boring that uh, God doesn't want to know about it. Involve him in your life. You know, I get in the car to go to the store. You know, one of the things, first thing, I mean, it's very important for you to pray before you get in your car because you don't know what kind of nuts are out there on the road today. There's so much going on. I always ask the Lord, Heavenly Father, go with me in the car. Holy Spirit, minister to me as I drive. Give me your peace. Give me your relaxation. Let me drive comfortably and safely. Get me from point A, wherever I'm going, Lord, to that particular store and get me back home safely in the name of Jesus and camp your angels round about me. Okay, so, so this is involving God even in a trip to the store. Again, I say there's so much craziness going on today where so many, so many crimes are committed out of the blue, senseless crimes. You know, God is there with you. God is there with you. You know, and by you saying that and praying that kind of prayer, you are saying to God that you're looking, God, I, I'm looking to you to get me from point A to point B safely. And let me feel your presence. Be with me in the car. And you'd be surprised what a difference that your drive can make. 
You'd be surprised. Okay, it's simply you know drawing near to God, and God will indeed draw near to you. Amen. Once you begin consistently encountering God's presence, you'll find that it becomes easier and easier to set aside that time to meet with Him. Okay, and I say consistently. You know? Many of the things that we talk about here, um, uh, you, you know, casting your cares and your burdens and leaving your burdens there, and so on, and many of the messages. You know, that require uh, new thought, if you will, new spiritual, new spiritual thought and new spiritual actions in really deeply, deeply understanding the word of God. Sometimes it's foreign to many of us, you know, because we simply haven't thought that way before. So it takes sometimes it takes some practice. It's like I said before in my burdens message that it's not always easy to just cast the care into God and then just leave it there because you wind up thinking about it again. But you replace that thought, you replace that thought with the word of God. So that requires some practice, as I said before, and I say that now too. Okay? It, it takes some practice. But we have to remember that. And again, you've heard me say this before too. We as human beings, it's hard sometimes for us to, to really, really, really deepen our minds and in our spirits to understand and perceive that God is spirit. But he is here. He's here with us. He's here with you now, wherever you are listening to this message be it in your car, be it at, at home, in your workplace, or wherever it is. God is with you right now. But many times we as human beings, it's hard for us to, to wrap our heads around it because we don't see God. But the word of God says that he is spirit. So we know that he is by faith because God said that he is spirit. We know that. But, and, this is, and, and this is what your faith is all about. You know that he's there. Amen. So it, it takes some practice doing. But once you begin consistently encountering God's presence, it becomes like second nature to you. So that you, you look forward to being in God's presence. Where God, again, remember what I said in the outset here, God is always present, present, but it's you having an increased awareness of his presence, an increased awareness of his presence, so that God will even manifest himself to you even more. Okay? So that's what it's really all about. God is there, but we want to experience God's presence. And that's what this message is all about, how we can experience God's presence, because God is indeed there. So many Christians are calling the time that they spend reading the Bible, time they spend with God, without actually encountering Him. Yeah. How many times have you even said, okay, I'm going to spend some time with God, and we go and we read the Bible, but do we experience God's presence when you're reading that Bible? There's a difference. Okay. You can be reading the Bible, but if you aren't in, really spiritually invested in reading that Bible, understanding God's word and asking God to, to manifest himself and you, you want to speak with him and so, so forth. You can spend that Bible reading time and not really experience or encounter God in terms of experiencing his presence. As Christians, we say that Jesus is alive and our faith hinges on that fact. Yet we go so long without encountering our God who is alive and present. We say Jesus lives, but how long, how long do we go without experiencing his presence? You know? And if we're not regularly encountering the God that we serve, we are living and preaching a false gospel by our actions. God's presence is meant to be encountered. He is present, near, active, and full of love for you. Don't forget that. He's near, he's active, and he's full of love for you. So I say to you, may your time spent with him be marked by his satisfying presence, as you experience the transforming power of encountering the living God every single day. I pray that you get into the habit of, of seeking him, diligently seeking him, wanting to know him, 
understanding that God is here, Lord, just manifest, 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 manifest. I want to experience your presence. And he will indeed let you experience his presence, which will take you to a whole new level in terms of worship and understanding God's word. It'll take you to a whole new level of your walk as a child of God. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. And he wants, he wants you to know how much he's with you. Praise God. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing. And now, uh, before we close, uh, we can be reached at uh, www.genesis1.sermon.net. www.genesis1.sermon.net. Look at the top of the page. You'll see a uh, subscribe button. Click the subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are available. Uh, We're on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. And of course, we have our free apps for Android and Apple devices, and they can be downloaded from the appropriate uh, um, Play stores. Amen. And everything is free of charge. There's no cost for for any of this. Uh, You can download these uh, messages, uh, either the video or the audio only portion, if you'd like to. You can download them for future reference or pass around to someone else. Pass on the link to someone that you know and and, and, and let them also hear and, and, and learn of the living God because God loves them too and God does not want anyone on this earth to perish. Amen. Amen. So, so praise God. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you here today, Lord God, and we pray that as we go into the balance of the day and evening and week ahead of us, O Lord God, that we remember these words, O Lord God, and that we just always desire to be in your presence, O Lord. Heavenly Father, we know that you are here with us right now, O Lord God. Let us continue to enjoy your presence. Let us have a desire to know you. Let us always want to draw near to you because we know that then you will draw near to us, O Lord God. We praise you, Lord. We magnify thy most glorious name. We thank you for all things, both great and small, in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord. In your prayer.